Hello and welcome to Politics in the Pulpit. This is a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Beth Alison Glennie, I'm a Baptist minister and I'm working as the Baptist Union of Great Britain's Public Issues Enabler and part of the Joint Public Issues team. Each week I'm joined by a guest from a different place or space on the political or preaching landscape. And today I'm really pleased to introduce the Reverend Cassius Francis. Cassius is currently the finance development worker for transforming communities together in the Church of England Diocese of Lichfield. And he's a minister at Wesleyan Holiness Church and an advisor and ambassador for the charity atalos.org, which signposts the bereaved to support. Welcome, Cassius. And uh, thank you very much for coming on today. It's a joy to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Beth. It's uh, it's good to be with you. Um, I've given a little bit of a, a sense of, of, of some of the jobs that you do there, but um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe... Um, why is it that you're on something called politics in the pulpit? What does that mean for you? I was hoping that you could tell me that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get to that part. Um, yeah, I suppose the, the, the first connection is through my job with transforming communities together. As, as you said, I'm a finance development worker. Primary focus of my work there is around the black country. So uh, the areas of Sandwell, Dudley, uh, Warsaw and Wolverhampton. And that's really about uh, training and equipping churches, faith and non-faith organisations to support those who are struggling with their, their finances. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, got connected to JPIT through the uh, Reset the Debt campaign in particular, um, which, is, which is where the connection may have come. Um, as I said, I'm also a minister with the Wesleyan Holiness Church. My my role within uh, the church is to focus on church planting uh, nationally. Mm -hmm. So uh, I work with uh, with a team currently um, who are who are looking at new work and engaging uh, communities who wouldn't engage traditionally with uh, with our our churches. And the third aspect at a loss um, dot org. Uh, is uh, a charity supporting the bereaved uh, around the country and yeah just uh, th this is something that I got involved with pre-COVID but has become even more critical I think uh, over the last uh, the last 18 months or so uh, mm. with the you know the experiences of bereavement and death that we've we've seen not just around the country but globally as as a result of the pandemic yeah, hugely important. Um, so in terms of kind of uh, the, the kind of the language of politic, uh, politics in the pulpit, what's how does that sit with you? Yeah, I think the the reality for, for me is that as a minister, it's recognising that we are wanting to make connections with people's lives and not uh, preach a gospel that is uh, disconnected or or seems irrelevant somehow uh, to their day-to-day -day reality and so uh, for me politics is all about that politics is is about life and and the things that govern our lives and so it's it's really critical for me I think to be able to engage um, you know from the perspective of being able to uh, to speak 
um, to be able to teach, but also to listen really keenly to my congregation and community about the issues that are affecting them. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, this is something that's that's always uh, been important to me. And yeah, again, congratulations to to you and your team for um, for this this work. Thank you. Yeah, is there um from your from your work that you're doing other, or perhaps from your experience of those you listen to in your congregations, is there other particular justice issues, particular political events, anything that you'd really want um, people to hear about? Yeah, that there are a number of of issues. I mean, particularly related to uh, my my work. Uh, you know the uh, the reality that this pandemic has affected all of us. Um, but as I I heard you say uh, previously, I think speaking to to Sue Richardson, we may all be in the storm together, but we're in different boats. And uh, my my concern is that the most vulnerable are, are being most significantly affected mm. through the pandemic. So while, you know, we, we hear talk of building back better, for example, um, it is really challenging uh, and more challenging for uh, particular groups. And, uh, and, and so that's uh, a, an area of concern for me. Mm. Um, I suppose the other one that I'd, I'd pull out is enjoying the football at the moment. And, uh, you know, watching the European Championships, I, it was good to see Wales get through uh, last night and hoping that England uh, are able to, to progress tomorrow. Um, but the, the taking the knee uh, stand that the mm. England players have been united about in uh, really raising the issue of, of racism um, is, is also that is is significant to me and, and really pleased to see that Gareth Southgate as the you know as their their manager has um, ha, has led from the front with that as well. Yeah, I think it's something so. It's it's one of those moments where symbol has become so important mm. in highlighting an issue, and I think um, I I wonder. I think it's something as churches and we we talk we have ritual we have right a lot don't we we have symbol and i think um it's it's a symbol in in culture at the moment that's that's helping to to represent and state something very so 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 significant and i think um it makes me it makes me think a lot about how do we use you know how do we connect with symbol how do we think about symbol as well yeah in lots of ways but um yeah and how can we be part of that symbol mm -hmm. um, and being anti-racist church I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. yeah yeah well yeah I, I i think the images that that stand out for me um particularly uh reflecting on on you know the murder of george floyd uh last year are you know cities around england with young people in particular but not exclusively from all different backgrounds uh supporting you know um, that that campaign and and those images for me are really significant and and give me hope uh, for for the future actually uh, not just black young people or white um, but you know across communities coming together uh, to to say that things need to change and uh, and and so that is encouraging. I think um, 
I mean, saying this as a as a so such a white middle class woman right now, but um, I think there's something about um, really having to have grappled with it, and mm. I don't know why this year particularly. Maybe it was that lockdown just meant there was nothing else to think about for a while, and it sort of made everybody really focus. Um, maybe it was just the the sheer. I, if, it, if it was the sheer barbarism it should have happened sooner so it can't have just been that but I think there's something there's I think I think there's been something very significant as a bit of a culture moment of a lot yeah. of people I think a lot of white people really having to really think actually how am I implicit in this not mm. just it's out there as an issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how am I implicit in it keeping this this way and how can I how can I be a change and how how can I see this differently and and make this different and um yeah and and in kind of communities like mine which are majority white you know Mm -hmm. realistically a kind of um what does that mean here and how does Mm -hmm. that work and and how do we make sure our kids grow up differently and all those big huge conversations but I feel like there is something that's actually like a a real reckoning an internal reckoning that Mm -hmm. hasn't maybe happened before um it has and just happens in in times i don't know but um i think yeah i think you're right i think there is something about that you know that point in in the pandemic and and the fact that we were all you know locked in in our homes um and you know the 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 24 hour news coverage that that we've all kind of gotten used to now uh but the the significant thing for me is that i think those conversations and and that grappling that you are doing is really important for us as followers of Jesus to to ensure that we're at the forefront of this and not lagging behind um i i think in terms of you know the the campaigns and the discussions uh you know we as churches we need to be we need to be engaged in this and uh yeah and we need to be anti-racist spaces as well. Like I think realistically mm-hmm. we are not, you know, we can maybe think that racism is out there in the world and churches over here fixing it. <laughs> That's yeah. the way it is. We've got to get our own house in order as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the recognition that, you know, we can't be silent uh, mm-hmm. uh, around these issues, um, that, you know, we, we have to speak against, uh, injustice and, and discrimination and, and as you rightly say be places that are anti-racist and anti-discriminatory as well mm. so um when we when we uh come, to come together each week we um we ask my team um just to for their expertise on other things that we might need to be listening to in the political world just to make sure that we're um we're on it mm. and um uh, they've got a whole selection for us this uh, this week, um, which is obviously there's been a lot of talk around the Australia and UK trade deal um, and its potential to cause difficulty for farmers in the UK and uh, the potential issues for climate change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just what tone that might set for future negotiations and trade deals as well. So there's a lot there um, that uh, perhaps if we're not in a rural environment, maybe would be easy to think isn't relevant. But um, mm. I important Mm -hmm. to hold Mm -hmm. um the eu settlement scheme closes uh for applicants uh, Mm -hmm. applications at the end of june um and that's a process by which um eu citizens living in the uk can apply for their right to remain here Uh, it's quite a complicated 
process and there's a lot of concern that vulnerable EU citizens um, may not have been reached and could miss the deadline. Mm. Uh, and um, we, we've campaigned and JP at long and hard against hostile environment policy, but we're very worried about the impact that, you know, people would have that would have on people's lives. Um, we produced some resources on this. Um, so um, if that can help with people's applications. So if people are, especially as ministers, if people are supporting people through or if, um, mm-hmm. again, it's your own right to remain that you're worrying about. We've got resources on the website um, that can help with an application. So um, mm-hmm. just to encourage people to use those if that that's stuff that's going on for your congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an ongoing crisis in Myanmar. After mm. the um, a few months ago and it's got a worsening COVID situation, displacement, mm. continuing political instability and the Methodist global relationships team are doing some good um, updates on that situation so um, just to make people aware of that too. Mm. Um, so we've got lots going on in the world as always. Um, and Windrush Day tomorrow. It's Windrush Day tomorrow. Yeah the fourth yeah fourth annual uh, Windrush Day 73 years i think um since empire windrush uh, mm. arrived in in tilbury dock so again um a, you know a significant moment to reflect and to to celebrate uh, particularly from my point of view in terms of the contribution um that caribbean people have made to the nhs um uh, you know uh, significant during this time yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was minister in Kerry in Oxford um, for a long time and uh, the Windrush generation propped up the car industry there hugely mm. and as well as lots of other roles. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. we, they were significant in um, giving a huge amount. Um, in fact, I had somebody who came over on Windrush itself. So it was oh, wow. Um, and um, so I, um, I'd also say there is on Saturday the 26th, um, International Day in support of victims of torture. So mm. I guess both of these events will have passed by the Sunday of preaching, but it's kind mm. of to say these things are in, yeah, uh, in in the, going on in this week, aren't they? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we um, as we come to scripture, then um, we've got all this stuff in the world, but um, we've got our readings this week. Um, we've uh, gone with uh, the, I think it's called the continuous track um, for the Old Testament. Um, so two Samuel chapter one, and it's um, a story of um uh, uh john saul and jonathan's death and david's lament over them um we've got the gospel from mark 5 21 which is uh the story of jairus's daughter and then uh the hemorrhaging woman and then it's 2 corinthians 8 um and uh the kind of exhortation to um to give generously and to continue um giving um, so, um, so Cassius, I, I wonder um, for you if there is a particular theme or a particular passage or a particular question that sort of jumps out for you that you, you'd say this is this is where I go if I was preaching this on Sunday. The the one that I, I think there's something in all of them, um, mm-hmm. but the, the the particular one that jumped out for me is the the reading in Second Samuel uh, chapter one. Um, again, reflecting on. Uh, the the work that I mentioned with Atalos around bereavement and the way that uh, David grieves in in these verses um, is is just really uh, powerful for me and and particularly relates I think during this time with the uh, a commission that's now been set up to look at um, bereavement 
you know, during this pandemic and, um, you know, the profound sense of loss for thousands of people around the country, but also the the recognition that people have not been able to uh, to grieve for their loved ones in the, the way that they would have been able to do in ordinary times. Um, so that yeah there are there are some really key points i think to be able to to pick up through that and but particularly the way that that david laments in these verses uh quite quite profound for me it's you know it's um it, he talks about day the, the word talks about david atoned um in verse 17 chapter 1 verse 17 um you know he chanted or or used musical tones of in this lamentation um over Saul and over the son Jonathan and and he asked he ordered actually uh, the song of the bow to be taught to the people of Judah this is not just a personal lament he is he's instructing the community that this is something that we need to to lament about together and then and then the song is you know is um quite raw mm. um you know in 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 the wording so let let me pause there because i i suspect that you've got some of your own reflections that that you might want to to come in with um i know i'm i'm always i'm struck by the um the bit where uh he goes about um he speaks so particularly to jonathan that you know Jonathan is dead but he says I am distressed for you my brother Jonathan greatly mm. beloved for you to me and it was this is this um that's how grief is isn't it it's it doesn't it we don't like that person doesn't just somehow disappear one day although it that they do it's also mm. that um you carry on talking you you don't just yeah stop one day and think oh well that person is dead you still try and phone them up or you still try and yeah, you, know, you 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 find you might find yourself talking to them out loud. That's right. Yeah, in a house with them and all that kind of thing. And I think there is something about that way of those those really intimate deaths that I feel so incredibly raw. Um, yeah. that's how grief is that it gets expressed very personally. Um, and um, there's a fantastic um, Bonhoeffer quote about um, grief, and I um, all about God not filling the void and mm. allowing the connection to remain, mm-hmm. um, which I always think is um, very, very helpful. Um, but it's this kind of, yeah, this idea that actually you, you're still trying to, you're still trying to communicate. You want to communicate to the person that's gone and and how how hard that is. And and it's interesting that you mentioned singing because actually mm. we haven't been able to sing at a funeral for so yeah. long. Yeah. Um, and that's such a huge part of community ritual and mourning, isn't it? That, that actually... Absolutely. It's well p- yeah particularly within the, the caribbean community uh we're used to graveside uh singing people gathering together that is a significant part mm-hmm. of 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 uh the funeral the grieving process yeah. uh together and you know with all of the restricted numbers not being able to uh to to do that and to to express it i think is is really profound but there's there's also the thing in in this for me, Beth, about um, David's attitude towards Saul that that really challenges me as as a minister. You know, this is Saul was the guy who was out trying to kill him, 
you know, I can understand um, much more easily his attitude towards Jonathan. We know the closeness of their relationship, mm -hmm. uh, but he doesn't he doesn't use the you know the these verses to kind of um, to to dismiss Saul or belittle him in any way. Uh, there's there's a real sense of um, his his lament his that don't can contain any bitterness towards towards Saul. Um, but you are right to pick up on you know the way that he he talks to to Jonathan, and that is I think part of lots of people's ex, uh, experience of bereavement that they will talk to to their loved ones, um, and and I think you know it's important for people to also know that that's perfectly normal um you know in the grief process uh, one thing that i i have learned and like to encourage um through through talking about death and, and bereavement that we need to talk more about about these issues mm -hmm. um to help people to get a bit of understanding and and healing uh through you know the the rawness of of the grief I did want to contrast it, if if that's okay, just yeah. with um, a, a, a short quote from a, a poet, um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Uh, he was the first African-American poet widely known and admired in, in the States. And it's actually his birthday, or would have been his birthday on the, the 27th of, of June. Um, so I like to try and pull on dates and, and significant times. And he, he wrote a poem. He did travel to England uh, to give readings from the States. He wrote a poem called We Wear the Mask. And he says, we wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay human guile. With torn and bleeding hearts we smile, and mouth with myriad subtleties. And then the last verse goes on to say, we smile, but oh great Christ, our cries. Uh, and there is something in, in those words for me really contrasting how David laments, um, you know, in those, in those words in, in the first chapter of Samuel. And, and very often, I think, sometimes our experience of grief in church is that we have to be quiet and we've got to wear this mask in, in you know, in a public space in our, in our congregations. Um, so there's, there's something about the contrast for me in, in those words as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, I also think it's... Um, the bit that we've got that's missing in this passage um because you have first one sort of introducing and then jumps um is um obviously also uh david getting the news about saul and jonathan and the fact that the amalekite messenger has said um saul you know basically has been euthanized at the end of his life and mm. uh, david's response to that and his deep anger about mm. that and mm. um and then how he responds by killing the messenger and, and just just kind of this huge amount of stuff in there that is kind of the lecture is edited out for us. And yeah. um, I think um, I kind of want to say uh, we need to, you know, that needs to, you know, you need to be aware that that's there in there too. I think yeah. um, you sort of understand some of maybe some of the emotion and some of the, I think there's something about the 
the grief of war and and all that has happened you know this this thing about how kind of um how the weapons of war have perished how 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 fundamentally flawed all of this is is kind yeah. of really obvious to david in this moment of loss and um, yeah. but uh he's kind of yeah just this kind of yeah deep anger about how Saul has died and he was the anointed one which is this messianic kind of mm -hmm. overtone to it and um and I just think it's really interesting as sister dying is back on the political radar again at the moment and I think um yeah as people of faith what how do we respond to that well actually this conversation is one of the few in scripture that really talks about this and yeah um yeah so it's yeah it's interesting isn't it I think I think there's something to note that they're kind of some of this huge emotion in there is also um, you know, it's, it's also how they have died, I think, as well. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, you know, the, the other reflection for me as part of that is, you know, the place of lament, again, um, not just in our churches, but in our society as well. So um, the, the talk of, you know, the, uh, the memorial wall in London mm -hmm. being made permanent and, and how we remember um those who who've lost their lives during this time and um i think that there's been talk as well of a permanent memorial at st paul's and fundraising for that so there that i think there are connections in thinking about the anger that david displays you know during these verses but also us thinking about well how how do we lament and what what will that mean for us uh, coming out of this time as 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 followers of Jesus as well? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the other question that comes up in this passage is what it means for Jonathan to love um, to you know for David to have loved Jonathan, uh, surpassing the love of a woman. And I think um, as a kind of political commentary, we'd be ignoring something if we didn't ask that question. And I'm always um, I'm always always nervous if you preach about a topic like that assuming it's out there and other and not like something that's a huge part of how we all relate to each other and um and present as a, a live pastoral conversation so I I guess I come with a certain hesitancy to say is this the thing we preach on but I think it is a question that even if we don't preach on we might expect to be asked after we preach on it Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does that mean then? How does that work, especially from anybody who's um, maybe under 30 and thinks, reads just with a completely different approach and um, cultural lens? And I um, I think um, I, uh, I've i read the queer Bible commentaries upon my prep for today. And mm -hmm. um, I would say that's got a really helpful, like, um, 10 page discussion of how that has been heard and read and kind of the interpretive history of that passage mm -hmm. and um the kind of contrasting both the need to not anachronistically understand uh david and jonathan through the lens of kind of you know how we understand sexuality in, in our current culture because mm -hmm. that would be to sort of to presume a whole lot of set of binaries onto a text that just wouldn't have been there mm -hmm. but also um the kind of idea that actually opens up this question of um whether jonathan is portrayed kind of womanly um, mm. and uh, almost wifely mm. David because um, that way it's part of ensuring though David's line is the ultimate kingly line so actually mm -hmm. um, quite opens up this kind of dynamic of well actually he seemed to be kind of effeminate effectively because um, 
and that that means that David was this kind of masculine uber king, and mm. um, and that's that's why this should be there. And actually, saying that maybe there's something in this text that isn't um, as affirming as we maybe wanted to be in some ways, because actually it's playing with this different idea. But there's also, yeah, it's just there's all sorts of stuff in there that I think is really, um, I would say, was a really helpful like ten page summary. If mm. if if you're wanting to go in knowing a bit more about that conversation before you get to um, mm. whether it's expecting to meet the teenager on the door about it or whether it's expecting to um, that you actually think you might go there I would say if you're going there go there really 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 gently really mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah that's just kind of one of the resources I've just noted as I've um, been looking through this I've also got some really good stuff about um, uh, sort dying as well actually um, mm -hmm. so would say that would be a resource to flag for people yeah that's helpful um i i'm looking at the um the the gospel reading as well and um and i'm aware that we've um we haven't got a huge amount of time left because we've um we, we we've talked to no it's great you're one of the people i'm naturally going to fill a lot of time with we could easily go on for two hours um but i i think um i think the mark um the Mark Five reading and um, the two the two contrasting stories. I think um, if we just kind of open that up a little bit, I was um, really obviously they're linked because the, the number twelve is in both of them, mm -hmm. um, um, and twelve is obviously symbolic of Israel. So it's actually a st story about nationhood as well as this pastoral story. Mm -hmm. But these two female health stories, which is really interesting, I think, um, like kind of contrasted in the way that it is. And there's this. Um, you know, there's there is uh, Jairus's daughter. He's he Jairus. He's powerful and has the capacity to go and ask Jesus. He's he's protecting his daughter. She's got all of his kind of birthright and and subsequent importance. And so Jesus is on his way. But um, but in the middle of this, there's um, there's this there's this woman who has got nothing. Um, and and whatever she did have has long since been spent on, um, you know, paying for paying for doctors and um as is a really kind of cynical comment isn't there about the status of healthcare in the society at the time and, and and how how much she's endured under physicians and how she isn't profited by spending all this money and um and she's got nothing and then jesus calls her daughter so he gives her the honor of being his daughter in the middle of of healing her and then obviously she wouldn't have been allowed to touch him and she does anyway and, and he honors that faith and says mm -hmm. daughter and constantly um uh touches her back and there's this kind of like actually he really affirms this kind of move like move out from the margins into the center and her bodily margins also not working so this kind of thing going on there with the margins and bring brought her story being brought into the center of this sort of um interplay of stories and and, mm -hmm. and I think um yeah so I think there's just a lot in there that we could you know you could really uh easily preach on to say what's going on if you think of this as a story of nationhood in these two female stories that's saying here's this girl this young 12 year old girl and this other woman who's been suffering for 12 years what's going on in this story about israel at the same time what's it trying to bring out and i don't have any easy answers to that but i just think it's um it's interesting which story is put as the kind of central story and which story is the one that can't be told shouldn't be told mm. um, <laughs> yeah and the and the personal you know, reflection for me that that comes out of 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 that story of um, the the woman who is who is healed. 
you know, the fact that she is ostracized in her community, that the fact that it looks as if, you know, she's been uh, taken advantage of um, after, you know, trying to invest and given lots of money to to try and, you know, to try and be healed. And, and, and she hasn't received that yet. The, the, the personal reflection for me in this is that, you know, she just reading the text as as is she is the hero in this story she is the one who is persistent and uh, again reflecting on you know just what it means to be political um that there, there was something for me that comes through in in her persistence with this um that is that is really important um I, again i i made a connection through through the significance of of the 27th of of june that was the day that uh helen keller was born um so helen keller you know american author disability rights advocate political activist lecturer uh born in alabama lost her sight and hearing um but becomes you know this amazing woman um who lived between 1880 and 1968 um, and, and impacted so many people's lives. Uh, and, and so again, just just trying to, uh, for me, make, make those connections in terms of the personal stories, but also this woman who is healed, um, being the real hero for me, mm. uh, and just jumping out as that. And also um, the, the practical nature of this, the last part of... Um, uh, I think it's verse, yeah, verse 40, 43, Jesus says, um, and strictly ordered them that no one should know of this. And then he told them to give us something to eat, you know, the real practical nature of, yeah. you know, don't, don't forget she's going to be hungry. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think those practical aspects, I think, of, of faith are really important to, to reflect in this for me. Yeah, the commotion of grief as well, isn't it? Like, I think if you've ever been at a tragic bedside, um, yeah. he's dying or or just died. Um, there is that weeping, like that weeping and wailing, that kind of genuine emotional uh, kind of hysteria that comes out in those moments. And um, and he he clears the room. Like the first thing he does is he like, calms down. Like yeah. clears the room you know makes it private and this yeah. is a man whose entire story is probably fairly you know fairly public he's one of the leaders of the synagogue he has to have his life fairly public all the time mm -hmm. and here he is so raw in grief he's desperate he turns up to jesus and jesus gets that and and then actually looks after that family in a particularly mm. like private and compassionate way and i, I think mm. it's interesting that even the story you know you don't it doesn't need to be told this is your story mm. you know, this, this story can be can be left and then mm -hmm. uh, i i think that's it's really interesting um he also that he's um he speaks in um in aramaic as well mm -hmm. um, yeah talitha kum yeah that i think mm -hmm. that says something about kind of actually you know he speaks in her mother tongue you know this mm. is a daughter and he speaks in the mother tongue it doesn't you know that and that's even even now we have that translated over many thousands of years later and i think something there as well that's kind of very homely very you know um but again a lesson uh i think to us as as preachers is you know if we are doing this um politics in in the pulpit that we need to speak 
a language that people connect with and understand mm. um and and so there's it, it, it's important not just about the speaking for me but also the listening that that comes with that you know so that you're able to actually interpret and to get a better understanding of of what's happening and where people are um you know i i think i've i've learned hugely um over over the years of the importance of of listening and that's i think that's partly why i enjoy this kind of dialogue in interpreting because you know we will all pull out and hear different things and read different things mm -hmm. uh, because of the way that we you know we come to the scripture what we what we bring with our own personal stories and it, i think it's it's really important to engage with that as as we're sharing with you know our wider congregations and communities mm. Mm. um should we do quickly just mention two corinthians um yeah uh, we haven't really talked about it, but I think it's it's conversation around poverty and richness. And I just kind of want to say as, as JP, like <laughs> we're, we're here and we think about this sort of thing a lot. So um, as we're kind of um, working on that, I thought um, I thought it was uh, interesting to the idea that um, the one who had much did not have too much. And the one who had little did not have too little. Yeah, absolutely. That, that idea of sharing wealth, I think, mm -hmm. um, critical. Uh, again, so um, I mentioned previously, you know, the the way that I came into contact with with JPIT primarily through the Reset the Debt campaign, um, but we've we've heard about tax justice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a number of other campaigns uh, that are that are on the go currently, just in the recognition that um, if we are going to come out of this uh, society in you know intact that there has to be uh, a, a better understanding of how we share wealth um you know and it, yeah so that that jumped out at me but that that this one felt as if this was going to be the the obvious one um to preach on and because i'd i'd heard you talk uh to sue last week i thought actually if i was doing a series then yeah. i would follow it up with this um mm. but yeah, for, for contrast, I focused on uh, on the Second Samuel uh, scripture. I am, um, I the the things I drew out this one um, were just two two small comments really, which is one that the um the the word that I've used the NRSV um, mm -hmm. it translates as to excel. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in utmost eagerness and in our love for you, um, we it is kind of, is saying um. Is this the word really means something about abounding and overflowing? That's mm -hmm. not, you know, we kind of think of. I think sometimes we think of. I think of excellence. Maybe this is about telling. Going to say something about me and my approach to exams, but like, like it's like ninety nine out of hundred. That's excellent, um, and that's not that's not the kind of sense of excellence being this kind of huge abundance and overflowing. You know, it's it an absolute yeah pouring out and i think if we think about wealth and um poverty this idea and the idea that jesus kind of pours himself out um you know in his in his to become poor there's something about that kind of overflowingness of of maybe that's what we want to see about wealth changing it's not we to a trickle down economy but actually maybe god's grace doesn't work like that maybe god's yeah. grace is about this overflowing abundance mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
and um and the, the word for grace is so similar sounding to the word for joy um mm. that we don't hear in english but mm. um is there in the text so really the idea that um the kind of this idea is if this is something really joyful that this this way of being society is is not some sort of like oh i guess i'd better pay my taxes um and um but something like his kind of generosity and excitement and 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 so again that kind of abundance and overflow um, and maybe that's why it's you know it's followed up in in verse eight you know with um i'm not commanding you you know, it's mm. not something that that needs co to be commanded. True charity and generosity doesn't need to be commanded because it it comes from a sincerity of love, given selflessly and 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 spontaneously. You know, mm. so so again, that sense of abundance, that sense of of excellence from the heart, doesn't need to be to be commanded. And I, so I I think that does that does underpin what what you're saying. And, and also this is um obviously this is kind of the you know this is Paul writing to a wealthier church asking them to give up money mm -hmm. um and and that makes sense if you've got a wealthier church right if you're in one of the the church boats in the pandemic that has actually just been completely um decimated over this last year and a half um then actually I think it's worth saying that they just uh like a bit before in the in the chapter before I think it talks about um uh the idea that this this poor community has already shown this huge you know it's already met this it's already done all this stuff it's already yeah. been extraordinarily generous out of their poverty it talks about out of their poverty they've been generous and the idea that actually um i mean obviously paul's you know it's this kind of this rhetoric isn't it to say like come on then match yeah. it what you've got but like um but it's kind of this also i think the idea is to say this is not to put pressure on people who've got nothing it's saying no they've already given look what they've already given there they are the gift already now can you you have who have got can you match it um, and yeah and again verse 12 um for if the eagerness is there the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have so you know for me there is the recognition there that not mm. everyone is able to give at the at the same level but it is a, a gift from the heart that is the important bit bit to recognize and um the uh the 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 the, the part that again reflects back to uh, a scripture in mark for me that you know the woman um who who gave out of poverty um in chapter 12 you know um mm. so again just a recognition that it is about giving from the heart rather than the amount that you give i think is important to to reiterate that and i think there's a conversation about how we function as as people of grace and people of faith in our discipleship as well like i think it's really interesting isn't it if we i think sometimes we work sometimes we feel like we're always working out of our are in sense of poverty and and whether that's as a church community locally oh you know we don't have any young people or we don't have this or we don't yeah. have that much money or we don't have a functioning kitchen in the way that we'd like or whatever it is that because there's different things you know people people pick up on um different things in different places but there's this always this sense of well if only we had that then we would be able to do this and yeah. actually this is seems to be a command no 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 it's not don't work out what of uh, what you're not who are you what have you got yeah. Can you work mm -hmm. out the fullness of what you are, and then and this idea that we start from what we have got, not from what we have got, is just one of those church things that we we sometimes need to remember. To yeah, do. definitely.
um the the word from from exodus when when god speaks to moses and said you know what is that in your hand uh, again comes to mind just reflecting that to use yeah. what what you have to start yeah absolutely we've um we, we're gonna have to wrap up because our time is up I've, I've really loved um, talking to you, Cassius. So we could absolutely go on for another half an hour, but um, for, for the, uh, I think hopefully we've given people a chance just to um, to think about and, and open up just some initial ideas about where the text could go, what they could mean for them this week um, as they go into their pulpits. Um, and and so as we do prepare uh, for our sermons this week, as we uh, always we're in political life in different ways. Um, we, we perhaps we should gather um, also uh, ourselves with a with a prayer and a, and a blessing. So um, thank you so much, Cassius, for all that you've shared and your wisdom and your joy. And thank you to everybody for listening in uh, and for commenting and liking and sharing us um, and and getting us a bit of a, a political following. It's always helpful. Um, for, you know, it shouldn't be, but it's it's always very useful to um, to get that kind of uh, likes and things um, enable us to carry on sharing this. So that's really great too. Thanks. Mm, thank much. you, uh, Beth. Really enjoyed the time. Thank you, Cassius. It's been a really, really lovely to have you. Um, and for everyone else who doesn't know Cassius, Cassius has quietly been working behind the scenes, also lining us up for the people so that we've had a really interesting breadth of, of, of names. So we're really grateful for Cassius for, for helping us on a practical level too. Thank you. Um, so let's go into our pulpits and our politics with a blessing. May we be anointed with God's spirit as we bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. Amen. Thank you.